Coming up this week, off-screen... Ryan Reynolds is the hitman's bodyguard. Al Gore brings us an inconvenient sequel. Love blossoms with everything, everything. Army Hammer sits in on the final portrait. There's time for a snooze with the napping princess. Lambert Wilson takes us on an odyssey. And we meet the untamed. All those coming more, off-screen. This is... This is Offscreen. Offscreen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Vancouver. I am Case Allen. So, Mr. Allen, before we get to the news, before we get to the reviews, before we get to the box office top five, you've had an adventure this week. I'm going on an adventure! Oh, I've been on an adventure. You've been on an adventure, Martin Freeman style. Yes, uh, out to (laughs) London Town, to the Big Smoke. And you you got to be me for a day. Yeah, uh... it was crazy. I, I... Shaved most of my beard. I had a little, like, wispy, pretentious uh, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> apron mustache. Um, it was good. I had coffees. They do that a lot, yeah. yeah, pe- yeah. People were nice, which pe- is people not are, my experience yeah. I've, I've had very often. They're PR in, in people, London. generally. It's, it's, it's the dumb thing. But just people in, like, Catherine Nero were really good. Oh, that's good. As, that's as well. Good. It, was, it was the most uh, enjoyable experience I've had in London in at least seven or eight years. Well, I was at a funeral all day. That's that's obviously why you were filling in for me. So the um, opposite experience. I did, I did enjoy, though. I was at this funeral. I was kind of coaching you by text, <laughs> the, by WhatsApp the entire time. That was yeah. that was a lot of fun. It's like, okay, Warner Brothers is here. And, yeah. yeah. I was... I was sending look van, for the pure gym. I was sending van, van photos of is this the place? I've been sending a picture of the door and saying no, no, it's next door. <laughs> you really did. <laughs> I, I didn't get too lost. It wasn't too bad. By the way, the the place that you did send me the picture of, if you hang out there, just camp there for about twenty five minutes, there's a good chance you run into Sophia Batella. Just, no, just what was, FYI. What was I, doing? I should have just stayed there. Yeah, but uh, I, I just which, say, which meant I could have met uh, Joe Manganiello. But quite possibly, I just, uh, world. I just say hello to her now when I see her. She doesn't know who I am, but I see her that often. I just say, oh yeah, <laughs> every time I see her now, it's just a weird thing. Uh, okay, so um, we've got Wait, some news. Did you say Sofia Batella or Sofia Vergara? No, no, Butella, not Vergara. Uh, uh, that's why I said Joe Manganiello. Why would Sofia Vergara be hanging out in Soho? I don't know. I mean... I don't... Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're both great. They're they are great both great. Suffix. Yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd love to run into Sofia Vergara. I'd love to but, run into uh, Joe Magadon. Well, you know, say, we, we each have our favourites. But... <laughs> <laughs> But I ran into Russell T. Davis on that street recently. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I didn't say hello to him. So I'm just sort of thinking, I I love and hate this man in equal measure. I like like, uh, Queer as Folk. Well, yeah. But the thing is, I I just, I I mostly think of him for Doctor Who. um, That that time. And I just think, some of your stuff was good, some was terrible. Not sure which I'd acknowledge more. See, now you love the same thing with Stephen Moffat. We, exactly, yeah. yes, yes. Stephen Moffat, who broke my heart over the course of about four years. But, uh, yeah. And I was a fan of coupling. Anyway, okay, right. Let's, let's get to something relevant. And let's talk about films. Let's talk about films. They're fun, aren't they? Yeah. As so, you would, this is probably the biggie of the week. The biggie. This is going to be, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig was on uh, the Stephen Colbert show. He was, the yes. The late show with Stephen Colbert. And, um, of which you were... Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah. I've, I've literally just watched this episode about an hour ago. Okay. Revealed to him that, yes, in fact, he will be back as Bond. Which is excellent. Excellent. We That's good. Of, it was up in the air. I think I kind of expected he'd be back for this one. Yeah, because there was loads of announcements about who they were looking mm. at for director. They announced a release date, and I feel like you don't have that unless you've got yeah. the whole 
There's going to be Bond thing in place. Well, he has said, hasn't he? He just was deciding whether or not he wanted to come back. It wasn't about negotiating in the press. It wasn't about salary or anything like that, because he gets paid handsomely for these things anyway. And there is really only so much money a person can have. And he's, he's not just doing Bond stuff. He's doing loads yeah. of... He's just in the film with Steven Soderbergh. Well, works, that's he? next week. I can't wait for so. Lucky. Um, but I'm, I'm down with that. And he also said in the same interview, this is probably going to be it. So I think yeah. five, five and done, that's it. That, that's, that's a good number. Five that is, is a good, good run. I mean, my favourite got four, so... Yeah, for... no. George Lesby? George Lesby, no. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, man, a lawnmower dude. Anyway, <laughs> lawnmower dude. the star of the Ron Silver villain action movie, sorry, actor-activist, Ron Silver villain uh, action thriller Live Wire, which, if you've never seen it, is yes. amazing. Oh, oh man. I about that. An action movie where the weapon is spontaneous human combustion. <laughs> And it's got yes. boobs. Anyway. What do you need? <laughs> well, what do you need for a 1994 85-minute uh, action? So, shall we talk about a film that has not got full boobs? No. There's, there's, there's some cleavage going on. Is there some cleave? There's, there's some handsome fellows going on. Oh, fair, fair. Yeah. Okay. Which so, I've, not, I've not seen. You not. have. So, this is crazy. I know. This is, this is a change for us. So, yeah. Mr. Allen. So, you know, you know the format. Plot, clip, review. Okay. Hitman's Bodyguard. Take it away, sir. Okay. So, Hitman's Bodyguard, directed by uh, Patrick Hughes. Expendables 3. Expendables 3 was the last thing he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it basically sets up this... Kind of like a buddy comedy dynamic right. between Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson. Uh, Ryan Reynolds' character is uh, Michael Bryce. Yes, he is. Yes, yes. who, um, as he keeps saying throughout the entire film, uh, was a AAA rated uh, executive protection. That's, yeah, it's in the trailer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, which is essentially just like a really, really great bodyguard. Former CIA. Oh, he's, he's actually ex spook. Okay. He's an ex spook, but then went out to do his own like protection agency because there was just more money in it. <laughs> Fair enough. So this is kind of like how the film sets up. He's doing mm-hmm. this. He's having a good time. He's got a partner who will come back into the film later uh, okay. on. Okay. Yep. Um, and then things go a little bit awry, and then we're set in the present day where everything's kind of gone wrong for him, and now he's still doing the same thing, but he's lost about triple A rated uh, score. Has someone died on his watch? Someone has died okay, on his watch. Okay, that's usually when they're protected. Protective detail. It's always in the line of fire style. Someone has died on their watch. Yeah, and now yeah. his life has kind of gone down the pan a little bit. Is he divorced? He's not divorced, but he's not he's not with the person anymore that he um, really wanted to be. He kind of blames her a little bit. Uh, does he wake up in the morning, on. do painkillers and scotch thing? Is, that, is he that character? Essentially, yeah. yeah. Okay, good, good. Sleeping out of his car, that's who he is. Of course. Whilst all this is going on, um, there is something of a political uh, coup happening uh, with uh, Gary Oldman's character. I've forgotten the name of Is he, is he like a warlord or a drug dealer or a mob boss or something? Kind of all three and a president rolled in. So oh, okay. he plays uh, Vladislav Dukovic. So he's a dictator. He's, he's a like dictator. A East European... Yeah. yeah. Who is currently on trial in The Hague and okay. um, they are trying to get someone who can sort of like just testify against oh, him. Oh, someone to roll over on someone him. Someone to roll over on him. So is this then Samuel L. Jackson who is the hitman of the Hitman's Bodyguard title? Exactly. Okay. And he plays um, Austin Kincaid. And throughout Kincaid. That's Kincaid, always a good name. a great name, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Fantastic name. And throughout a series of events, um, these two, um, Austin Kincaid and Michael Bryce, have to team up and get Kincaid to this trial. And they have about... Little over twenty four hours to do so. So it's an action comedy take on sixteen blocks. So essentially, yeah. okay, brilliant. Okay, Shall we um, run a clip. We have a clip. This is the pair on a bus full of nuns. Oh, 
This man's killed over 150 people. 250, easy. Oh, I love Sam Jackson. This thing is about as much fun as you think it's going to be. Excellent. Just, just watching that trailer. It's, okay. It's a bit of nonsense. It hmm. takes some liberties with some plot holes, but you kind of forgive that for the chemistry that Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson have together. This is the thing, because I mean, Samuel L. Jackson, action comedy, we kind of expect good things from him, because last, uh, Long Kiss Goodnight... He's you know, done this before. 51st State. Exactly. He does buddy things well. Yeah, really well, especially mm. with mismatched counterparts, and this is what they have. They actually do have quite a bit in common, like... They, they, they're, they're kind of like... Fought, they've encountered each other before, and they, yes. they've faced off before, or something like that, haven't yes. they? And okay. so it's, it's nice that they have the, uh, this history, but they both do, like, things as well as each other, which is kind of okay. cool. Like, for other films like this, other kind of birdie comedies, sometimes it can be, like, the polar opposite, but it's nice to see someone to be like, oh, you are also really fantastic. Uh, I like, see. You're, you're, you're an amazing shot So there's well. a begrudging respect. There's a begrudging respect, okay. yeah, that kind of builds throughout the entire film. Okay, so Patrick Hughes, Expendables 3 director, we know he can basically handle action. He can, he can yeah, bring some energy he's, to he's it. Yeah, he's a, quite a safe pair of hands. There's at least three really solid, fun, enjoyable, energetic scenes. Oh, I'm looking this. forward to this. There's a speedboat chase. Oh, well, you know, you get a speedboat chasing there you've got yeah. me. you've got my, that's how face off one my wife's dad always used to say that a film is so great if it's got a speedboat chase and like if you would fall asleep during a film you would wake up at the end and just be like oh yeah my favourite part was uh, the speedboat chase but my, my rule that's is it. always snow ninjas with Uzis Snow Ninja, that's a great name for yeah. the film. You get me with you get, well. you get Snow Ninjas with Uzis in a movie, which I'm sure Andy Sedaris did at some point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll be like the thirteenth. The thirteenth in the series. So, uh, um, Gary Oldman is he's as menacing as you think he's going to be. Excellent. He's chewing the scenery. I was going to say, is he doing the the yeah. Zorg kind yes, of? Yeah, definitely. Right. He's doing that. His accent is all over Europe. Excellent. Which is great. Um, Elodie Young from Daredevil, Electra. She is the love interest. She's an Interpol agent. She kind of ties the whole thing together. Is she the ex-girlfriend? She is the ex-girlfriend. Okay, I see why Ryan Reynolds was so bummed now. Yeah, Yeah, I can. And then Samuel Samuel Jackson. uh, Salma Hayek. Is, is his wife, isn't she? Yes. Is Sam Jackson's... Yes. And essentially his motivation throughout the entire Ah, film. Okay. You don't actually have that many scenes together but when they do they work really well and she's she's just a great presence herself a lot of, oh, her, she's a, lot, fun. A lot of her scenes are just her with like some prison officers so <laughs> okay. just yeah like she doesn't seem to be that big of a part of the main yeah. story as much as she's just kind of like the motivation for Samuel Jackson's character okay. but she's really fun when she's on screen um, is it long is it long is it like 100 minutes 90 minutes Where, where's yeah, the sort of set it's, spectrum oh it's actually about 2 hours but it's it, about 2 hours but it, doesn't okay. fe- it doesn't feel like that because there's enough energy in the fight scenes and all the big action set pieces Okay. and nothing necessarily feels boring and because there's there's a few kind of like flashbacks that flesh out okay, I didn't the know story that. as well. That's, is it the foul-mouthed, R-rated, energetic explosion fest that I want it so badly to be? I think so. Okay. Yeah. It's maybe so, a little bit more kind of shocky than okay. you think. Some of the CGI might be a bit ropey, but if anything, it owes 
its credentials to something like like twenty four hours, maybe. Oh, okay, okay. So is, if I, yeah. I I'm going to the public show on Friday to see this because I was so bummed at missing out on, on seeing. It. I was so looking forward to it. I apologize. And uh, yeah, I'm so annoyed. I missed the yeah. pressures for this and Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Um, but um, it's it's just it's a great sort of like eighties throwback homage. You think I love to it, those man. buddy buddy films? Okay. So I'm in for a good time. I think you will enjoy it. Excellent. Okay, in which case, let's plug the podcast. Uh, don't forget, extended edition of this show. Download the podcast edition. Go on iTunes, go on Deezer, go on TuneIn, go on... What else? We've got Acast. Because you get digital bling there. Um, extended edition, we've got uh, Moment of Cage. I'm quite a fan of this week's one, incidentally. Uh, you get all the reviews we couldn't fit in the radio edit, which this week is Napping Princess and The Untamed, which I think we both have things to say. And Yeah, uh, we, we've got some opinions. We've got some opinions. And we have to put them there because we can bleep there. And you know, that's always more fun. So don't forget as well, competitions. Go on to onscreenfilm.com. Go in the competition section. And you can win, at the moment, Blu-rays for The Transfiguration, which is an amazing vampire movie. It's a vampire in Brooklyn without Eddie Murphy, but sadly also without Charlie <laughs> We've said Murphy. this for like the last three weeks. We have, but you know what? It's so relevant. I think we it should is. just keep plugging it. With the latest film news and reviews. I have This is Offscreen. <laughs> The on-screen radio show. And we're back. So, Mr. Allen, one, we've actually kind of... We've both seen this one, mm. so we can actually sort of split the load this term. Uh, so, share the load. Share the load. The heavy lifting of everything, everything. Although it's not that heavy. It's not that heavy, is it's, it? It's, it's about fluffy. as fluffy as you can get. <laughs> it yeah. is. It's, it's a big bowl of candy floss. It's so fluffy, it should come in a jar and be sold in the American food aisle. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> okay, so this stars... Please tell me her name, because it's... Is it a mandler? It's Rue from Hunger Games. Rue from I've Hunger Games. I've forgotten her name right now, but <laughs> give me a second. We're a real Mickey Mouse operation. I know Nick Robinson is the male lead. Nick Robinson, of course, was the older brother of the two kids in Jurassic World. Um, she, whose name you're going to tell me in a moment, and I've forgotten, um, was Rue in the Hunger Games, who grew up because we've forgotten it's been five years since the Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> and she's now an eight. She's a young woman now, and it's alarming when you realise that it's the same person. Like, oh, uh, wow. Amanda Stenberg. That's it. Thank you. Okay, she. It's based on the, uh, quite a popular novel. I believe your wife is currently reading it, isn't she? Uh, yeah, she's she's pretty much done with it. Okay. Uh, the idea is you've got a young, a, t- a teenage girl. She's on the cusp of turning eighteen. Uh, she has grown up confined to her house in a sterile environment. Very nice, lavish. You know, five star, all floor yeah. to ceiling window, sterile environment. She's suffers from, uh, it's called SCIDS, S-C-I-D-S, um, and it's an immune, a sort of a lack of an immune system. So she is the, the slightest exposure to anything uh, bacterial or anything like that gives her tremendous illness and could potentially kill her. So she mm. lives entirely within this w- bubble. I'm going to get to the, that term in a minute. Um, she forms a sort of text-based relationship with the, the new boy next door, played by Nick Robinson. And before you can say, fault in our stars, a relationship is blooming that will change both their lives forever. Here's a clip. You listen to me. You stay on your side of the room. He stay on his. I already told him the same thing. <laughs> what are you talking about? You stay on your side. He stays on his. He's here. Who's here? Ollie. <gasps> Not if you understand. I'm, I'm, I'm worried you're losing your motor skills. <laughs> Why? Because I'm terrible at saying no. 
because you deserve a little something. Well, that is not Penelope Cruz playing her nurse. That is, in fact... Um, Anna de la Reguera. She's very good as well. Yeah. Um, although, if you check Wikipedia, apparently that's Wayne Brady. So... You can't explain that? Yeah, I feel like there was another draft of this film, and then when that cast list was announced, that just got straight put onto Wikipedia. Didn't it also star Jenny Garth and Scott Baio as the Scott kids' Scott Baio and uh, Hayley Williams was uh, <laughs> Ollie's sister. Oh, my God. Whom this is played by uh, Taylor Hickson. Okay, fair enough. So, so obviously, Wikipedia yeah. has lied to us. Imagine that. Mm. But, okay, so, um, Fault in Our Stars meets Bubble Boy. That that's how I'm pitching it. Oh, I forgot about Bubble. For Bubble Boy. Boy, yeah. Got young Jake Gyllenhaal there. Before we knew he was, before we knew what he it's could give da- us. Danny Danny Trey was in that as well. I think so. I think everyone was in that movie. Yeah, I mean uh, it's a film, so Danny Trey is probably. That's probably true. Uh, well, once you've done Rick and Morty, you know the world's your oyster. Anyway, so you uh, you saw this ahead of me. I think you saw this a few hours before me. Uh, you had issues. Please let's let's discuss them for the next couple of minutes. W- what did you think of the movie as a whole? Um, I ended up enjoying it sort of after the fact. Okay, the, the so... more I thought about it. Because the more it sat with you afterwards, because you go in and about twenty five minutes in, you feel like you're going to get diabetes because it's so sugary, sugary, <laughs> and saccharine. But if you just kind of just let yourself go into that world mm. and just kind of be fine with, it, just think it's it's about a teenage girl and she's never been in this situation before. So this yeah. is like if this crazy far fetched situation were to happen, probably play out something like this. I have a couple of issues with the mum. Yes, um, I think there is. A, there's a plot machination that we can't really discuss as no. well yeah. regarding that. You sit and think, I think you've played this all wrong. And mm. well, like even before mm. that, that comes into play. Just some some things earlier on. Um, yeah, the chemistry between the two leads sometimes it really works. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I know. Sometimes it's a bit wooden. Sometimes it's best it. described as. Two people, yeah, but, uh, yeah. just yeah, just two people who have people. never met. But, but in a way, <laughs> that's kind of what it's supposed to be because a lot of their interactions are via text messages. There is that because she's only ever messenger. had a, she's only ever talked to three people in her life. Yeah. And I think this is the cleverest part of the film is mm. how they put those two together because they they have these interactions. Mm. So they, they they don't meet at one point. But they're, they're still talking through like SMS, and, SMS, and I think there's there's uh, yeah. instant messenger, yes. and, and at one point you know uh, uh, paper paper sheets put to the window, yeah, um, that, that kind of thing. But then in the film, the scenes that show them together, like it's yeah. not it's not actually not. Actually oh, they together, depict it as if they, they depict it. As I, they I are liked together, how that so was done. That. Yeah, I liked how they have them having a text conversation, but yeah. it's two actors physically sat talking to each other. Because there's a whole thing about her. She does like an online um, architecture class, so exactly. she will build. Cafes and but of a building, which is then sort of staged as sets, aren't and, they? Yeah, yeah the and sets in which, in which she, they are, she yeah. will talk to Wally. So I really yeah. enjoyed that. I did. I thought that was quite a clever that touch. That was a clever thing. I think that's. I think the style of it. I think is what lifted up more than anything. Um, I think the, the central performances, particularly Ashley Stedberg, is is great. Uh, but I think um, um, you've got a name wrong. I've got a name. Amanda. Um, yeah, uh, Amanda Stenberg. Stenberg? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I, I'll, I'll get there eventually. It's all right. Rue is fantastic in this. Uh, Nick, <laughs> Robinson, Nick Robinson, at times, is good. At other times, has all the lead screen appeal and sexual charisma of Aaron Sanford's Pyro from X-Men 2 it and 3. It does look a bit like Pyro, It's the it? hair. Yeah. It's the hair. But also the fact that 
why would you get a kid most known for displaying stalkerish tendencies in a Jurassic Park movie to then play the bad boy next door with exactly the same level of sexual charm and charisma? He likes to wear black robe. He does, yes. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's some other metaphor we're trying to say because she's all, well, almost always in white and then he loves yeah, black. Yeah, she's and... very f- sort of florally coloured, isn't she? She has a lot of like bright yellow and well, there's, like that. There's one point right at the start where she says, I've got 112 white t-shirts yes and there's a significant moment involving a sweatshirt that is meant to depict her uh, yeah. ascension into her, adulthood her but uh, and i will say this i think we'll, we can basically close this out i think with by, by saying it's obviously it's not aimed at you and i i think quite clearly it is aimed at a 13 slash 14 year old girl um and i think if i were a 13 or 14 year old girl i would have been weeping at several points i think i would have felt weak in the knees for the uh, for the the great romance at the center of it all and i think he delivers on that front i think if you're a young girl who, for instance, uh, wants something to, you know, double bill with the fault in our stars, this is an obvious candidate. I don't, I don't think it's as good as before. Oh, no, no, God, no. But, but I, think, I think that's more mm. about the central story. Like, that, yeah. is, that is a better story than this. Dude, so. there's no Laura Dern in this. So, there's you know, no... We don't, we don't need to kid no, ourselves. Uh, Sam from True Blood. Exactly. We don't need to kid ourselves here. No. But, uh, but you know what? Everything, everything, it doesn't give you everything, everything, but it gives you enough, enough. Oh, when did you write that one? I didn't. I haven't written a review yet, so... Ah, jokes on you. <laughs> Pick a rick. Okay, so um, should we just go straight to the box office top five and get this done? Let's do it. Let's get it on. Number five. Despicable Me 3. Which is still around and still making money because it's a school holiday, so... So it probably won't be here next week. It might not. I mean... We'll see. What's, what's out next week? Well, I mean, well, all, the films, exactly, all the films we're reviewing this week. Exactly, that's what I was going to so say. Hitman's Bodyguard will <laughs> yeah. edge something down. Yeah, but, I think FNFN's got a good shot. I think so. Because I've fallen out of audience. But Despicable Me 3, you know, the kids love it because it's the new Minions movie. And, yeah. who, you know, what, what young child does not enjoy that? Um, I don't think it's... I think it's the worst of the series so far. But, you know what? It's still not awful. I enjoyed parts of it, and I did laugh a few times. I just didn't come away from it like I did the very first movie, thinking, oh, my God, that's basically a modern masterpiece of animation. And I really do. I think the first movie is that good. I really do. Don't give me that look. Jim Jarmusch boy. Number four. <laughs> the emoji. <laughs> that is the actual audio noise for the shocked emoji. Of course it is. It really is. I had to look that like, up specifically. I can imagine this makes Despicable Me 3 look like a Ghibli film. It really does. It really does. Um, however, it is funnier than Despicable Me 3. I'll give it that. Um, there's a couple of gags in there that did actually make me genuinely laugh hysterically for you know at least 30 seconds. Um, it is, though, the nastiest, darkest, most cynical work of corporate you know, well, she'll play that I've encountered since Battlefield Earth. And yeah, I mean, bear in mind, I've sat through and enjoyed movies specifically designed to sell McDonald's. So the idea that the emoji movie is somehow the most offensive thing I've ever seen is, is not something I can readily grab a hold of. There's stuff in there to like. It, you know, you're a James Corden fan, I believe, aren't you? you can, yeah, you I watched the really didn't show. used to, but I like the show. Yeah. Yeah. There's enough of James Corden, for instance, in his character that you think, mm. okay, I can get on with that. It's basically just James Corden walking around. Fine. Oh, look, that's basically TJ Miller walking around. I can get on with that. I'm a TJ Miller fan. Fine. And if you get past all that, great. The problem is, the film's not anywhere near as clever as it thinks it is. It is a film at war with itself, as in the corporate side is fighting constantly with the comedic and creative side, and the resulting mishmash that you come out of 90-odd minutes later, you sit there and think, not the worst thing I've ever seen, but wow, was that a wildly conflicted and somewhat schizophrenic time. Although... 
<laughs> I think young children will sucker for it. And, yeah, fair play. Number three. Atomic Blonde. Which I liked, I didn't love. I didn't. By the way, what button could we possibly have used? Blondie. But I, I thought about that. What do you want to go with? Call me? Call me. Call me next time. Okay, it's yeah. on. It's on. It's on. It's next happened. time. It's Yeah. Okay. Um, Either that or just Atomic. What, Atomic Kitten? I'm not putting Atomic Kitten on this show. Atomic, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Atomic by Blondie. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, uh, and then Atomic Kitten. And then Atomic Kitten one week, yeah. But we never used Ed Sheeran for Sing, so we have to draw a line in the sand did somewhere. Not, I, thought, I thought we did. No, we never did. I kept we never bat on my nose. I threatened you. Uh, right. <laughs> Before I needed you to go to screenings for me, I used to threaten you, if you remember. Anyway, uh, Atomic Blonde, I liked, I didn't love. Um, I think it forgets to have fun. And yeah. All the ingredients I've are not, there. I've not been to see it yet. The staging of it, the setup of it, I mean, the fight scenes, the choreography, the the, the, the performances, everything is there for you to enjoy. However, the film refuses to enjoy itself, and that's what sets it apart, for instance, from something like John Wick and uh, even Everly. If you ever saw that Sandra, uh, Salma Hayek Salma one, Everly, yeah. it forgets to have some fun with it. And I think that's something that really, really holds it back from basically being the action vehicle we've always wanted to see Charlize Theron in. Although it's getting increasingly difficult to remember that this is the same woman who played the uh, hapless wife in The Devil's Advocate but uh, and, and the lead in Mighty Joe Young. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for a slightly more straightforward... <laughs> My ovaries, Kevin. <laughs> oh, God. Don't. I love the devil's advocate. God likes to watch. He's an absentee landlord. <laughs> On which note... Number two. Annabelle Creation. Which I have now seen. We didn't get to oh, review it last week. I have seen it. Give us a little review, because I'm going to see it, I think... Tomorrow? Right. It's, it's like... Do you remember that Ouija sequel they made? Yeah, way better than the first one, way it, better it needed to be. Same thing. Yeah. Same exact scenario. David F. Sandberg directs the hell out of it. I think this is it. Um, They've got someone that's going to be a bit yeah. of a star. They've got someone who knows he knows he's got a future in this. Anthony LaPaglia just looks like a somewhat uh, dishevelled and... Oh, uh, Tony the Peg. Yeah, exactly. He, uh, he looks like a dishevelled and somewhat aged Colin Farrell for some reason in this. Mm. Uh, Miranda Otto doesn't get a whole heap to do. The story, though, is quite kind of enjoyable and the, the suspense of it is it is conjuring level horror it is that i'll stand on the right third of the screen and we'll just have darkness on the left two thirds and then you think something's gonna come from there but actually it comes from over your shoulder on the right <laughs> we got you here's 90 <laughs> minutes of that um it is that and i'm fine with that if you get over the fact that it's a prequel to a prequel that didn't need to exist as a spin-off to an existing movie which instead is actually spawning a cinematic universe that's now going to wind up with nine films in the next three years um, pretty enjoyable. It is a schlocky, fun, cheap and cheerful horror movie from The Conjuring Team, and I'm fine with that because it's way, way better than the first one. Number one. Dunkirk. It wasn't going to go on much longer, don't worry. <laughs> I was very conscious of that. Uh, you enjoyed Dunkirk, I believe? I did. I enjoyed Dunkirk as well. I think it's... Uh, Academically, Christopher Nolan's biggest and best film. Mm. Uh, I enjoy Inception the most, but I think Dunkirk is is the pinnacle he'll never quite break. And, uh, yeah, masterpiece. Absolute cinematic masterpiece. It does things with time that are very interesting to actually watch unfold on screen. He's got a great cast. He's got a great team of creatives behind him. I think it's really, really something. Um, did you see it on... You saw it on standard screen, didn't you? Yes, I've not seen it on IMAX. I'll 
try, but if if I don't, I'll be sad, but I won't be devastated. That's fine. I mean, I saw IMAX 70 mil, and I looked at it and thought, this is amazing, but I imagine it's still amazing yeah, on a small like, screen. I didn't lose anything for just seeing it at a standard screen. A great film is a great film. I mean, yeah. unless we're not talking about gravity here, but, you know... I mean, obviously, visuals are incredible. The oh, sound God. was great. The, the sound, design, I know. Uh, the sound design is, well, is amazing. I really loved how Hans Zimmer's incorporation of that ticking clock. I think that's something... You think it's such a basic idea, but it's so effective. Mm. And it's, it's different in those three different periods as well, which I, I love. Uh, any favourite performance in there? Uh, the clock. The clock. The clock itself. A- absolutely. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The on-screen radio show. And we're back, Mr. Alan. So... Do you remember about a decade ago um, when climate change used to be called global warming? I do. Yeah. Yeah, and that- the Earth was, like, ruined. And then ten years later... Ozone? Ozone, remember that? The, we had a hole in the ozone layer? Yeah. We never hear about that anymore. No. But, uh, well, about ten years ago, I think, was when uh, global warming became climate change. And I firmly believe that that is almost entirely because of an inconvenient truth. Yeah. Yeah. It was around that time. Which I, I like that film. Yeah, well, I did as well, because it was a film that came out of nowhere and it told you something that really wasn't being discussed in the mainstream. No. And then, of course, hybrid cars became a thing as well. South Park did, of course, the brilliant hybrid car <laughs> episode. Yep. And, of course, now, well, now it's a very, very different time. We are all aware of climate change. We all know what carbon footprints are, things like that. We didn't a decade ago, but guess what? There's a sequel, and it's cleverly titled An Inconvenient Sequel. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. So what you've got is more or less the same thing again. But now it's got this sort of retroactive, we told you so, element. And so if you're not familiar, Inconvenient Truth was, Vi- was Vice President at the time, wasn't he, Al Gore? Had he don't know? No, not not when that film came. Not out. It, had he had he ceased being vice president at it that ceased. point? Yeah, because it was only, he was Clinton's vice president. It was uh, yeah, it was only ten years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 that was during the George W. Bush era. Yes. So it was a couple of years after his tenure as vice president. He had become a climate change activist, like right, a global warming activist back then. And uh, I'm pretty sure Al Gore just trademarked climate change as a term and just gets a nickel every time someone says it. So. Maybe. Have you seen the little badge that he wears everywhere? I didn't know he's wearing on the sort of like press tour yeah. like, whenever you see a US politician even like after service will always wear a little like American flag badge me heart earth is me heart it yeah, well, he's got, <laughs> it's like it's a green circle okay yeah right, so same, same kind of thing again but this time now the story goes that they have had to ed- they've had to alter the film slightly in post-production go back and alter a few things because in the time that this was in post-production is round about the time that Trump got elected mm. and then of course after having altered it already Trump went and pulled out of the Paris, Paris Accords, Accords. Yes, so they had to alter it again, and this is the problem. If you try to keep up with Donald Trump, I you think are... Al Gore is really bored of being asked about it, and every yeah. time he's asked about it, he's just like, uh. oh, very much. Well, so you get the idea. This is about uh, climate change. Ten years on from an inconvenient truth, what's changed? What's gotten worse? What's gotten better? Here's a clip. Ten years ago, when the movie An Inconvenient Truth came out, the single most criticized scene in that movie was an animated scene showing that the combination of sea level rise and storm surge would put the ocean water into the 9-11 memorial site, which was then under construction. And people said, that's ridiculous. What a terrible exaggeration. There is a wake-up call here, and that is 
climate change and our vulnerability to it. It was true 10 years ago, it was true five years ago. It is undeniable today. So obviously the footage they show over that is Hurricane Sandy and they show you the waters flooding into New York, actually filling up the uh, the 9-11 memorial site, which at this point is basically still a hole in the ground. Mm. And right, so the, first and foremost, the, the whole thing with Inconvenient Truth is it, it was a film that came out of nowhere that discussed an issue that wasn't being discussed. Now, ten years later... That issue is very much being discussed. That issue is being discussed in a whole new way post-Trump as well, which they couldn't necessarily have known when they were... They obviously didn't know when they were making the film. But it does feel very much like... Do you remember that documentary, You've Been Trumped, about the golf course, about how Trump screwed over the, uh, yeah, the Scottish landowners? Yeah. Well, last year we reviewed You've Been Trumped too, mm. And the whole thing with that film was, you don't have anything new to say other than it's years later, we told you he was going to do this, he's still doing it... And that's kind of what you've got here, which is we told you climate change was coming, and ten years on, here is our proof climate change is a factor. And it does take the form that you'd expect. It does take the form we told you, you know, the waters would rise, we told you hurricanes would get worse, weather conditions would change. And it is that. And the problem is there's only so much of that you can take before it becomes a bit tiresome, before the same old scientific theories that you've already heard in a movie before. And let's be honest, no one's seeing this that hasn't seen An Inconvenient Truth. Mm. There is nobody that's going to see this one without having seen the first. And if you've seen the first, you really don't need to see this because you can flick on the news at any point and there is almost always a piece about climate change. So it feels like, well, not so much money for old rope, but money for just slightly longer rope. Newer rope, if you will. And, yeah. I don't know what else this story needs, but rather than that, it's more just a case of we have to reiterate it because nothing is changed to the point where we're seeing actual change. Yeah, yeah, I kind of got that with so, it, to be honest. But, uh, I, I understand the argument of... Mm. I'm not saying it's a pointless film. I'm not saying it's a pointless film. I do think people should see it. I think it is an important film, Mm. but it's not as important as the last one was. The last one did actually delve slightly more into scientific theorem, I thought. uh, Yeah, but I think once you've seen that, you don't need to just see that repeated again. If you're going to do a sequel to a film like that, it's got to be... We've done this first film. Yeah. There's not been a strong enough result from that. Well, uh, yeah, that, that is its achievement. There you go. But yeah. you've hit the nail on the head there. That is the achievement of it. Uh, and to be fair, you know, Al Gore, you know, obviously has a natural enthusiasm for the topic, and it's always engaging to watch him discuss it. And that hasn't that hasn't faded. It's still got that going for it. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I am. I'm definitely going to see it. And I, I think, think in, in a weird way, it would be a good kind of double bill with the film that I went to go see yesterday in London. Which was is that our next review by chance? This is our next review. That's like, if you're that doubling this, if you're doubling this with the Untamed, oh, then... the Hitman's Bodyguard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just the same thing. Yeah. Truth, inconvenient sequel, and the Hitman's Bodyguard. There's a double bill. Yeah, you know, in in uh, in Matalan in the box sets. Yeah, you yeah. can totally see that happening. Yeah. Um, now I was uh, talking about the uh, Odyssey. The Odyssey. The Odyssey. Which is it is actually the about... Odyssey? Is that the Odyssey? Oh, okay. Yeah, or just the Odyssey. What is the plot of it? I know nothing of this. You do you know who it's about? No, I do not. Okay. Is about uh, Jacques Cousteau. Is it Jacques Cousteau? Or Jacques Ives Cousteau. I did not know that. Uh, J. J. Y. C. J. Y. C. J. Y. C. Do you actually call him J. Y. C. What's the Y? But like Ives. Uh, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, didn't think. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it is about 
essentially his life and times. Okay, I didn't uh, realize that. His uh, his research, his family life, uh, his extracurricular family life, shall we say? There is a generation of hipsters, though, of course, who who don't know Jacques Cousteau. But actually do you know think like aquatic? No, Steve Zissou. Yeah. yeah. So who, who was pretty much based on Jacques Cousteau? He clearly was. Um, yeah. So who's playing uh, Cousteau? Is that uh, Cousteau is uh, Lambert Wilson? Lambert. Anyone not, else? Not Wilson Lambert. Not Wilson Lambert. Okay. Um, uh, Audrey uh, Tattoo plays his wife ah. uh, Simone, and he's very very good. Well, you have my interest. Yeah. Now and, you uh, have my his, attention. His two sons are played by uh, Pierre uh, Niney. I'm sorry if I just I do know Pierre Niney. Yes. Yeah. He's Why excellent. He plays uh, uh, Philippe, and then uh, Laurent Lucas. Uh, plays his other son, uh, Jean-Michel. Okay, so yeah. this is this just a biopic? Is it, is it a straight biopic? It's essentially a straight biopic. It begins in uh, 1948. Uh, his two lads are about, what, six and seven? That kind of age. And it's around about the time where he's still in the Navy at this point, and still in the Navy at this point, and he's really getting to grips with like scuba diving technology, okay. and what they're calling the aqualung. Ah, uh, yes, yes. So because of, of that, it brings him a newfound kind of fame and, and notoriety. Okay. And besides to essentially take a leap, get out of the Navy, and make that his life's work. Make exploring the ocean his life's work. Okay. Um, he was actually, and I didn't know this at all, um, mm. he was in uh, the Air Force. And I be- didn't know that, And no. because of, uh, he had a, it was like a car crash, a car accident, mm. he had an issue where, with his arm. His arm was pretty severely damaged. Okay. Um, so because of that, he was deemed too, like, weak to fly. <laughs> and so because of that, he thought, I, I won't be in the airs, I'll be in the sea. I see. And that's essentially where it comes from. This sounds like an almost Nolan-esque character arc there. <laughs> A little bit, but um, it doesn't just concern about him. Um, mm. The main focus is about him and his younger son, uh, Philippe. Oh, so Pianani. Pianani. Ah, okay. Yeah. Right. I, I see, I remember really liking him in something, but I don't know off the top of my head what he, it was. He's excellent in this, and his character... Mm essentially wants to go into the same work as Jacques Cousteau, wants Mm. to make films about the sea, wants to explore. Okay. But he's more interested in keeping the earth protected and keeping it safe and making sure that we're not doing too much damage. I see the double bill. Yeah, I see the double bill thing now. Did he grow up to become the Vice President of the United States? He did not. He did not. that man was Al Gore. No, it does detail his life as well. It doesn't go into so much about mm. his brother's life. It's more just, it's a focus between Philippe and Jacques Cousteau. Okay. And I think so, that's a really interesting approach. Okay, well, I, I mean, we've not got a whole heap of time on this. I want to ask, I've heard that this is a career-defining performance for Lambert Wilson. Yes, absolutely. Because I, I really just, I knew him from just showing up as, like, a French assassin and being in the Matrix. Yeah, he's the guy you get when, when is it Vincent Cassell is when busy? When Vincent Cassell is yeah. busy, or when John Minot, you need someone a little bit... <laughs> well, a little, bit, little, little bit higher class. A little Minot. bit higher class. No, no disrespect yeah. to John Minot, I loved you in Godzilla. Someone less padded around the midsection. Yes. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, Lambert Wilson, the guy is 59. You see him with his shirt off a lot in this film. Does not look it. Because in in this film, it spans from the age of when he's... I guess he's supposed to be like in his mid-40s, all the way up to, I assume, the end of his life. I've seen... Because I've seen different uh, still images from the movie, and he is wildly different ages. And he's convincing in all of them. He looks Mm. absolutely convincing. And same for the rest of the cast. Same for Audrey Tattoo. Like, she's around, like, the late 30s when we meet her. She's a really underrated actress, though. And she's great. She is great. And she's great in this. She she basically has to put up with him. 
Um, at one point, and some things that goes on within their private life. And then, because she has invested so much money in their boat, their boat called uh, the Calypso. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually knew that, believe it or not. She is essentially like, this boat is my home. I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> so, like, you can, you can cheat on me, but, like, I don't want you bringing other women to Cheat on to me. This. Don't cheat on the boat, man. Exactly. Don't bring any more girls to this. No this, floozies in the boat. This, huh? this is my home. And... They essentially, yeah, kind of reconnect, and it's it's about the family. It is about what's what was happening in the world in like the early seventies okay. in terms of like ocean pollution. And there's a part where he gets his films sponsored by a company who is into oil. Uh, so this kind of goes against everything that Philippe is is going for. And um, I yeah. sense you were a big fan of this, then. I, I really was, hmm. yeah. Again, in a weird way, like everything, everything, I liked it more and more. I just thought about it throughout the day. One of those that percolates. This definitely stuck with me more. And I'd like to see more biopics like this. That's fair. Yeah, I think it it skims over some things I would like to see a little bit more of. Like, I wish the the film paid more attention into the dynamic between the two sons. Okay. I think that would be an interesting approach. But some of the visuals (laughs) are great and the score is really good. I'm not entirely sure who the composer is. But uh, the director is, um, again, forgive me if I'm butchering your name, but I am a British man, so I'm going to give it my best. Uh, Jerome Sal? I don't know him offhand. Or Jerome Sal. Uh, also uh, wrote the film with uh, Laurent Turner and, uh, and Albert Falco. But uh, if you can get it, I fully recommend it. It's, uh, it's like just over two hours, like two hours and change. Okay, doesn't, I think this is, like this is one that's going to be on art house cinemas, I believe. So, like, Curzon showroom. Do you know what? It will, on. but it would play in, like, multiplexes. Okay. Because, like, it's... it's it's got like an upbeat feeling to it. It's a little bit like the, like the Untouchables, a little bit. I will like, watch it, this. It could play to a mainstream audience. I will watch this, but I feel like it's one that I'm, I'm going to be able to watch on Mubi in a month's time. Yeah, you probably could. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm I'm fine with it. It's not completely in French either. It's uh, uh, I, I would say yeah. it's about two thirds in French and then a third in English because okay. a lot of it takes place in New York. You have to meet oh, okay. like benefactors in America and stuff. But I I enjoyed it. I would recommend it. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the on-screen radio show. <laughs> and we're back. So, Mr. Allen, where shall we go next? Do you want to give me a bit of film news quickly? We, I'll give you a tiny bit, and then we'll do bit. our last review of the week. Okay, what you got for the for, for, for radio shows? Um, I've got some news that Samuel Jackson is not going to be Nick Fury in Avengers 3. Avengers okay. 4, Avengers 4. Uh, okay. Or Black Panther. He seems to be the most annoyed about Black Panther. Well, yeah, because I don't know if anyone noticed that he was he's the second black character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, um, there's a quote from him saying, how do you how do you make a film about Black Super and not call Nick Fury? <laughs> it's a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah, but um, this was, uh, like, he gave this interview, he gave that quote before he was casting Captain Marvel. Uh, okay. So maybe they did have, like, a grander plan. But hang on a minute, because Captain Marvel takes place in the 90s, which means we're still I, not going to catch this, up with this, the present. It's going to be, like, a book-ended thing maybe a little bit like wonder woman perchance okay i could go with that i'm not saying we're copying but what is this gonna be like brie larson working in a library telling you about that time she was a superhero <laughs> I bet she was like remember that time when i was really into nirvana and lived in seattle in the 90s yeah and then, yeah. And then tony stark sends her like a photo of her in a grunge era and she flashes back and <laughs> yeah that's totally like, flannel, what's gonna happen a, like dirty blonde hair <laughs> yeah, exactly. great because because captain marvel does have that spiky punk hair nowadays yeah. so i could totally see that being I the reason why yeah. seattle-based grunge movement but uh, yeah. of course uh, captain marvel won't be in uh, infinity war no she won't although but, brie larson will yeah so, begging the so question... we may see Carol. We may see, yeah. But she will have her powers, because 
she was in the 90s. So... It, was, it was very interesting the way that, I think it was Joe Russo? Yeah. It was either Joe or Anthony at uh, uh, San Diego Comic-Con. I think said, it might have been Joe. Said that Captain Marvel will not be in Infinity War. Didn't say anything about the next Avengers. And didn't just say yes. Carol Danvers or Brie Larson. So huh. Captain Marvel will be. That's fair. Um, and, and also, I don't think you announced it that far ahead. Because she was announced at last year's Comic-Con, was she not? She was, yeah. So like, what's the point in advance, uh, like, announcing it? Unless they were just like, Brew Loss is going to be a big star, let's get it now. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, you, let's you, lock it down. <laughs> I know you're more, you, you are more sort of up to speed with your US talk shows than I am. I, I, mm. I watch a few, you tend to watch more than I do. Um, I, I'll be honest, I sort of tap out James Corden. But, yeah, um, I, I tend to, I'm pretty loyal to Seth Myers and Colbert. I, I, they're, yeah, you are they're, really, they're, they're always, you're, really uh, you're really loyal to Myers, I've noticed that. Yeah. But uh, she's everywhere at the minute, Brew Larson, because mm. she's promoting the Glass House, Glass, which is getting uh, great Glass, reviews. Glass Castle? Glass Castle, sorry. Glass Castle, yeah. uh, which is getting Great reviews, and I can't wait to see that. Is it? Yeah, it's getting, getting quite good reviews from what oh, I've seen. Okay. But why have you heard differently? I've heard differently. Oh, ah, okay. But okay. I've heard that she is good. Oh, maybe I'm thinking what she's getting good reviews. Good. Yeah. But, okay, so uh, let's, let's talk about uh, Stanley Tucci's latest efforts. The Tooch. The Tooch. The Tooch. Not the Mooch. The Tooch. The Tooch has teamed up with the Rush and the Hammer. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, do you remember that Batman Returns poster that was the Bat, the Cat, the Penguin? Yes. Could have done that for this. Could have done that. The Tooch, the Rush, the Hammer. <laughs> or, oh my uh, God. The uh, Piano Genius from Shine. Yep. Shine. McShine. Oh, God. <laughs> now, funny you say that, because there is some overlap between this and Shine, actually. Right. So this is the story of uh, Alfredo Giacometti, uh, the artist... going to bust out some fresh prints. <laughs> this is the story all about, about how uh, Paris got turned flipped upside down. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there, and I'll uh, tell you the story of Army Hammer's hair. Um, <laughs> I was like, how is he going to resolve his rhyme? <laughs> <laughs> My rhymes are fresh, yo. Anyway, so um, this, is, uh, this is the story of uh, Alberto Giacometti. Um, basically, Army Hammer plays an American writer in Paris who has formed a friendship with Giacometti and is asked one day mere days before he's due to return to the US um, will he sit and pose for a portrait now he agrees to this Giacometti by the way is played by Jeffrey Rush in full shine mode so I will warn you by the way our clip for this it, which is one of the few we were able to get, had to be bleeped to buggery. It is because he curses a lot in this. He's a very eccentric artist. And the idea is that the... Jeffrey Rush does. Jeffrey Rush. Oh, oh yeah. Hello. The idea is that um, the few days that uh, Army Hammer's character has, has put aside for this portrait, nowhere near enough. And the film literally, because it's the last portrait Giacometti ever, ever did, it chronicles the enormously elongated process of working with an obsessive very perfection oriented artist like Giacometti and how this goes from taking an afternoon or two to actual weeks and I mean nearly a month this this clocks up at like the three week mark here's a clip mm. okay let's go front on you look like a brute no your chin Side on, you look like a degenerate. Not so far. Don't smile. Don't scratch. Hm? Oh my god. What are you doing? Don't move. There. Stay there. That's good. Oh, How much longer can it go on like this? Yeah, a lot. Yes. An absolute lot. Yes, Jeff Rush. If yes. you're, if you, because obviously you are a fan of Jeffrey Rush. You well, it's not. Well, some, some people I've are dead ne- inside. I've never heard anyone say, do you know who I don't like? 
Jeffrey Rush. Jude Law, sure. But <laughs> <laughs> That's Rush. where you went with that. Yeah. That, that yeah. was the name you pulled it's out It's only because I've, I've heard more than three people say they don't like Jude Law. That, that's fair when enough. When you hear more than three people, you take notice. Well, I've told you I don't like Miles Teller every day for the last five years. Yes, so you are one man. <laughs> I am but one man. It's, it's not the volume of one man, it's the volume of many men. Mm, true. Case Allen. So, um, so this comes to us from Stanley Tucci. Um, and, well, Stanley Tucci, he has something of a sort of uh, uh, an occasion directorial history he does direct films not often but every few years I've only seen um, I've seen Big Night that's that because that's the first one it's him and uh, uh, Bishub Right. Turn, turn Funny you mentioned the shoe. The shoe is in this. He Mr. Is, Monk. He is Jeffrey, Raj, uh, Jeffrey Rush's brother. Jeffrey Wright, very different actor. Um, he very is accurate. Jeffrey Rush's brother. That's amazing. And, yes, yep, and the shoe, he gets some. Do you he, know what's weird? You just said Jeffrey Wright. Tony Shaloub was originally going to be the character that Jeffrey Wright plays in Hunger Games. You kidding? Seriously. He was, <laughs> he was going to. Is it Wires? Is? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's Wires and Beat It. Yeah, he was, he was going to be Wires. Ah, okay. Very strange you said that. Well. I, I I know what you're thinking. That's it's what it is. It's a small world. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you sing that, and I hear Duff Beer for me, Duff Beer for you. Yeah, um, I love a Duff Beer one too. I really, really got into this. It was it's it's a brilliant portrayal of artistic obsession of the need to convey your mind's eye to, to bring your the, the mental image into the world and it is about how destructive that can be about the effect that this has mm-hmm. on the people around Giacometti he has a wife for instance but he also has a lover that he's not particularly very secretive about <laughs> who's played by uh, Clemence Passe from um, oh yeah from I know her largely from The Tunnel the, the British remake of The Bridge which is a really, really underrated series. Is she in, um, uh, in Bruges? Uh, she is as well, yes, but I, uh, I know her mostly for that. Hi, Potter. Is she? Oh, she is. Yes, you're right. She is. Thank you. I forgot that. But uh, no, um, she's very good in this. Uh, Army Hammer is very good in this as well. He gets something to do. The hammer. The hammer brings. He brings the hammer down. He brings the hammer down. He brings the hammer down. Why are you always surprised that Army Hammer is good? Because I've seen The Lone Ranger. So? I've seen The Lone Ranger. I like The Lone Ranger. Uh, you tell me, even if you don't like the Lone Ranger... You. I'm going to fight you. You tell me that that 20-minute train sequence isn't good. Which one? The first one or the fourth one? Uh, the amazing one at the end. Again, the first one or the fourth one? There's two. Are, are there? Oh, there's I'm some... sorry. It's because about 45 minutes of that near two-and-a-half-hour runtime seem to be made up entirely of train sequences to justify having built several miles of an actual functioning working railway. So... Yeah. It's a plot point. What is your what is your problem with that? I was just bored. I could tell. Yeah. I'm lonely, I don't get out much. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh yeah, I do see this. It is tremendous. The performances are great, the writing is sharp, it is insightful, it really paints no 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 pun intended. It paints a great portrait. It paints a great portrait of this man, and it does give you a really solid insight into the mind of Giacometti himself. And Jeffrey Rush is having the time of his life here. Of course he is. Of course he is. He's laughing all the way to the bank, and I hope he got paid well for it. He deserves it. He deserves every penny. Uh, but yeah, I liked the hammer too. Um, I liked the I liked Clemens Posse, um, and of course, is it Clemens Posse or Clemens Posey? Uh, there, there's an accent in there, um, and, it of, is. and of course, the shoe, the shoe, the hoop. The shoe. I've been calling. I've been calling the lube. Hello. I've been calling the shoe. The shoe. He's the shoe. It like combines Shalou. Yeah. His name. Yeah. Shalou. 
He's the shoop. Okay. The shoop. Forevermore, he is the shoop. Um, so, yeah, I mean, of everything this week, it, it's been a, it's been a, a decently strong week for, for theatrical releases, I think. Yeah. Uh, what's the, well, you saw four. You saw... I saw um, four. You saw Hitman's Bodyguard, The Odyssey, Untamed, and everything. Everything. Yeah. What was your film of the week out of those? Um, well, I, I text you saying Hitman's Bodyguard. Yep. With Lord of Sea second, right. everything first. If Cassie wants to go to the multiplex this weekend with you, and you've you've seen all these films, but she want, you, you want you have to see one again. Which one yeah. do you see? If the Odyssey is gone, yeah. like no, if, if it's if it's out, if it's yeah. on the, at the multiplex, I would take it to see that. I think okay, she would, but she would probably have fun watching Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson as well. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Like um, I'd, I'd put those at even. Okay. Uh, I'm going with Final Portrait, but I've not seen The Hitman's Bodyguard. I know that come come Friday, when it's, these films are on public release, I will be seeing The Hitman's Bodyguard. And also, if you can get a screener link for Odyssey, I really, really think you should. Well, the general public can't, but we, we get the screener links. They send them us. Oh, so direct. See, I'm not talking to them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you think I'm directing Mr. Animal to a show? So I say, the PR companies don't just send out screener links to the public. That's very strange, and that would make them a sort of weird free version of Netflix. But, uh, free flicks. Free Flicks, yeah, but uh, yeah. So you're going with uh, you're, you're going with the Odyssey slash Hitman's Bodyguard. I'm going with uh, the Final Portrait, which I really enjoyed, and I will watch again. And I know that because you've got a link for I that, watch you it. should watch it. You will enjoy, it. and it's got the shoot, which is always an amazing thing. So next week is going to be uh, a, a relatively fun one as well, um, because one of my favourite ever movies is in cinemas next week. But next week we have an action movie starring Dave Batista. It is oh, called Bushwick. Bushwick. It's a bu- it's a it's a wick in a bush. Bushwick. <laughs> we we have the much discussed Detroit next week. Yes, it, a film that will remind us that it is 2017 and Catherine Bigelow is still the only woman to ever win the Best Director Oscar. So yeah, look to that, please, Hollywood. Uh, Logan Lucky is next week. Can't wait for that film. Oh, Adam Driver, Chantete, Riley Keough, uh, Daniel Craig. Introducing Daniel Craig. Introducing Daniel Craig. Una is next week as well. Ben Mendelsohn and... Oh, uh, Ben Mendes. Ben Mendes and uh, Rooney Mara, so Rumar. And uh, Hotel Salvation next week. I don't know an awful lot about that one. Uh, we have also got Bill Nye Does From Hell, a.k.a. The Limehouse Golem. Very good. I know, can't wait for that. Uh, we've got Mr. Cruz, Mr. Lyman, American Medio. Yeah, we'll you, see. Not that excited about that one? Okay. Mm. And of course, one of my favourite movies of all time, the movie that made me love movies when I was but a wee boy. Showgirls is coming back. Showgirls is back in 3D. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I would love that if that were the case. <laughs> <laughs> Just mo- swim, mo- swim mo- like 3 double D. <laughs> yeah, swimming pool sequence in 3D. Why has no one done this? Yeah. Uh, no, Terminator 2, Judgment Day oh, yeah, in 3D course, yeah. is next week. I can't wait. We have film news about that for the podcast. Say it with me, everyone. Well played, sir. Thank well you. played. In the meanwhile... Today's James Cameron's birthday. Is it? Well, he's 63. Oh, good God. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Which is which is about the number of seconds he puts into thinking about what he's going to make next. No, that's the number of uh, sequels to Avatar we're going to get. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, uh, all those come more next week off screen. Don't forget to check out onscreenfilm.com for competitions. Download the podcast edition for the extended uh, edition, more reviews, Moment of Cage, tons of fun. Um, that's on every podcast platform you can find. In the meanwhile, this has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been an inconvenient case, Alan. <laughs> and we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay,
there's not a lot of news. Oh, well, that, that's always the case, isn't it? When we have to do reviews in the podcast extras, there's never news, is it? I can think of yeah. a few things. I've, I've got some things. I've not, I've not come empty-handed to this party. Well, that's fair enough. Can I follow up the, the Cameron 3D thing? Yes. Because he, he's doing Terminator 2 in 3D this next week. Thank you. And we'll just have a button for next week. We are just going to have a button. Oh, uh, good. That's it. We'll just have a yeah. button and we'll overuse it. Save, save my hands. It, it's going to be next week, Pickle table. Rick. We're just going to overuse it. I'm Pickle Rick. Pickle Rick! <laughs> have, you, have you seen episode four, by the way? I have. It's the first one of the current series that I haven't outright unabashedly loved. Right. I thought it was very good. Yeah. And I'm always happy to have Christian Slater in anything. Yeah, I, I knew the same straight away. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, like, Million Ants. Oh God, yeah, yes! I think uh, I need yeah. to rewatch it. I think I need to rewatch it. But yes, uh, also, I did like that it was the first episode of Rick and Morty that actually outright implied that there are adventures that take place off screen. Yes, so that was good. I liked that idea because the, the, the fact that there are adventures that Rick and Morty have gone on that we are not privy to, no. which is great. But well, this I, is the third of the Vindicators yeah, adventures, and because apparently there's a second seen, one that even they, they don't know, know about. about. Uh, there is an episode, by the way, coming up in which uh, uh, Rick and Jerry will go on an adventure. Apparently. So, oh, that'd be cool. That, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, because Jerry's obviously not been in it much. But no, I've got a theory, by the way. Mm. Um, uh, this is completely unfounded, but I think that there's a bad wolf. So, I think that there's a bad wolf style storyline that someone is seeding. Yeah, someone yeah. is seeding loser throughout history to get, to drive Jerry to suicide, and Rick and Morty will have to employ time travel to save him. Uh, that could be ace. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh yeah, because he's like opening that packet. And yeah, loser. <laughs> I think that's where that's going. <laughs> Don't have a great if it was Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I, I feel like if you've got... You're a loser. Uh... Oh, by the way, um, in Everything Everything, you said yes. about Patricia Clarkson on a phone. Yeah, I went on her IMDb. Yeah. Didn't say anything. Didn't say anything. Didn't say anything on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? It is, isn't it? I, I'm convinced the phone call that the girl receives it, towards the end of the second act mm. in uh, Everything Everything, I think you're right. I think that is Patricia Clarkson. But why would she do it and be completely uncredited? In the same way that Michael Caine is uncredited for being the rate, the uh, mission, uh, what do you call it, air traffic control. Maybe she's worked with like the director or in Dunkirk. Was... Um, entirely possible. We, we don't know these things. We'll look it up. But uh, okay, should we? Should we have a uh, case? Looks it up. Should we have a bit of fun with our next review then? Because I know you've been itching, itching to talk oh, about. Oh God, this. we're going to talk about it. We, is it, is it now? It's it's now. I'm afraid, Mister Allen. Ugh, all right. Yeah. yeah right. Let's let's do it. So, the Untamed. I hated it. <laughs> you just can't contain yourself, can you? I hated it. You absolutely cannot contain yourself. Go on. Go on. Hated it. <laughs> you want to see him? He's actually bursting. It's, you can see it. It's bursting. He's on the verge of bursting. It's building up inside him. Talk about it, and then I'll probably just say I hated it again. Okay, so Spanish language uh, film, whose title weirdly translates to The Wilderness, not The Untamed. But Yeah, I, that, another reason why I hate it. Okay. I looked it up and I was... <laughs> you looked it up, fair enough. So, La Region Salvage, which translates to uh, The Wilderness, not The Untamed, um, which centres around uh, a family unit, you know, husband, wife, two sons, and it, it's a film of two halves. It's very much... Mm-hmm. that There's one film that then stops, and then there's another film that starts, and then elements from the first film come up in it. And, yeah, now that annoyed me, I'm going to be really honest. Yes. But, okay, so the first film is about the family unit, you know... Father, father, mother, two sons. And the mother is sexually unfulfilled. The father is carrying on um, a gay relationship with her brother. Yeah. Well, his his brother-in-law, yeah. His brother-in-law, her brother. Um, And when the brother turns up dead... 
he finds himself accused of the crime, he's taken away, and then the second film starts. And the second film involves the mother and her new friend, and her new friend introducing her to a sexualized, tentacle-based, extraterrestrial, biological entity who seems to create feelings of innate euphoria in a cult-like fashion mm. amongst, amongst the victims that he, it parasitically and sexually defiles. There is no coherence. No, 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 none whatsoever. None, absolutely none whatsoever. You know what, if you open... Um, I'm going to be honest, if you open a movie with boobs, you've usually got my interest for about 15 minutes. But it doesn't open with boobs... There are two things before the boobs. There are, sorry, yes, there are. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm not saying we watch films just for boobs. Sometimes that's just that's a happy bonus, I'm sure. It's a happy bonus. That's yeah. fine. And <laughs> the, fil- the film opens, there's a black screen, and then the words, the untamed, yep, yep. are on the screen. And then, of course, is it the meteor? The and me- then it's meteor. Yep. Just, like, slowly Which turning. I interpret to be the arrival of the tentacle-based parasitic That's EU. what I assumed as well. Okay. That's on screen for what, like, 90 seconds, two mm-hmm. minutes, something like that, uh, and then cut to black, just stark black, yep. and then a woman who looks like she's just, she's having a good time with herself in a, oh. in a barn, and then you see a tentacle come out of somewhere where the tentacle... Well, I'll be really honest, when I first saw that scene of her, I couldn't tell if she was upset or enjoying herself. I really couldn't. I mean, the fact that she's naked tells you that she's, she's enjoying herself, but it implies that she's enjoying herself, but she did look unhappy. Yeah. She mm. looked dissatisfied. Mm. But, uh, you like you've never played with another person before then. Yeah, well, I'll be really honest. If you removed that scene, mm. this very very possibly could have just been a case of, by the way, there's an alien. Yeah. It seems like... They just took that moment out. They, they shot, like, a drama. A drama about, like, a family coming undone. Yeah. About gay adultery. Here's the thing. If that had been the movie, you'd have enjoyed it, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd have thought, oh, this is an interesting one. Okay, family dynamic, gay adultery. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay, undercurrent of homophobia, aggression. You could have done some scenes where he goes to jail and he feels like he's... I'd be perfectly on board with that movie. I I really would. I I would have thought that was actually quite an interesting idea. I would have been intrigued to see that. But instead of that, we get these sex scenes. <laughs> we get we get alien tentacle sex. There's a lot of it. There's a lot. There's, yeah, there's a lot of it. They they don't skimp on the tentacle sex. And I mean, there's there's no music. No, and there's no. no other sounds. No, this is a 98 minute hentai fans wet dream. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. I mean, this this makes the opening credits of Spectre look absolutely restrained. <laughs> yeah. It really does. Um, so, I mean, it's officially qualified under drama, horror, sci-fi. And you said, well, I feel like the sci-fi element of that, and indeed the horror, is something that came yeah. about purely because we couldn't come up with an ending. Yeah, yeah. Let's put in, let's put in like a squid monster, squid monster. Space Absolutely, post. what you do. So this is uh, written and directed by uh, Amatesca Lante, who directed Sangre. Do you remember that about 10, twelve years ago now? Sangre, um, and uh, the wonderful name La- Los Bastados, <laughs> which is a title I will never nice. get bored of saying aloud. Um, now, directorially, not uninteresting, not uninteresting at all. And in fact, I will give it—I will give it to the to the filmmakers. The the actual design of the alien itself is an intriguing idea, and actually does lend itself to the sexualized sort of element that it brings. The problem is, it's a slog once you get to that point. The family drama, interesting, and then when the family drama stops, yeah, slog time. And indeed, snog time. But uh, there was about twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes mm. of just good drama. Yeah, 
and there's tension there, and it's fine. I will say this. Yeah. Uh, Ruth Ramos, who plays uh, Alejandra, the, 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 the mother, the wife, great performance from her. I thought very good, yeah. investable performance. But she seems to be under the impression it's a different movie that has coherence, because that's the only way I can think mm. she's brought that performance to it. Nobody else has that level of, of, of investment in their performance, and I think they seem to be aware that the film's a mess. So, yeah. I mean, I hated it. But I only hated it after about the half hour mark. So yeah, hated the intro and then the scene oh, just the intro, after the intro. That was the then, film. Yeah, that's yeah, what I mean, that's the film. Yeah, I liked the end credits because it signified it was ending. I was sat in a really nice chair. I was sat in like quite a comfortable chair. <laughs> Is this when you were at Soho House? No, uh, I was at uh, Delane Lee. Delane Lee, oh, okay, which was right. nice. It's very and, nice, uh, it? it was a good screen, and they had like these little, like loads of like tiny little like LEDs, like a yeah, blanket the, of stars, a blanket of stars on the ceiling. And I, know, I yeah. was a fan of that. Um, that was good. You reviewed um, the screening room, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Did you take your notepad out and actually review the screening room? Is that what it was? Actually, I didn't have any paper or anything. And everyone else had like bits of paper. And I I'm was, sorry. I, I should have. No, it's fine. I, I sent you with I one just, of my pens. But, I, I've, I've got pens in house. So no, I meant the lighter ones. You write in the dark. Oh, that would have been yeah, cool. I, I would think, have felt even more like a pretentious ass. Well, next time you go, ask Alan because courtesy of me, at any given time, he's got four of them on him. So, oh, nice. yeah, yeah, just, yeah. No, everyone else like had notepads and stuff, and I was just there, like, <laughs> I'm here to see a film. <laughs> oh, Robbie Collins does his on Needlecraft. He takes his notes on Needlecraft. But, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Although I would totally believe that. If someone told me that, I would believe it. I'll be honest. I, I really would. <laughs> it's called a tomatometer. But uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, Ruth Ramos. Other than that, not really a whole heap of reason to watch The Untamed. I'm literally yawning. I know. I could, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, I was yawning all the way through it, but... I hate it. Um, yeah, I will be honest. There were... There was about five minutes where I was nodding in and out of sleep. Um, and then, I in, believe it. But at that point, I thought, oh, no, is that like where it ties everything together? <laughs> is it just like one five-minute scene oh, of no. exposition where it's just like, I'm going to sleep This is why there's a meteorite. This is a monster that's come from it. These are people who are going to be affected. Blah, 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 blah. Shall I let you in on a little secret? That does. That's not there. No, no, I'll let you in on a little secret. Well, first of all, that movie isn't that moment isn't there in the movie. Good. Uh, but in terms of uh, avoiding nodding off in mm. films, there is a trick. If you have an Apple Watch, there is an app called Coffee Wake that you uh, you, you could change the settings. I set it to uh, I set it to sixty seconds, and every sixty seconds it sends a shock up your wrist and keeps you awake. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I do a lot of screens at 9 in the morning, having travelled yeah. to London. So, yeah. Um, I was really awake for the 9am screening <laughs> of The Odyssey. Which you loved, so I imagine that kept yeah. you awake. And then, of course, you know, you ended with Hitman's Bodyguard. So you bookended with with nice films in a nice setting. I did. So I'll go again if I go to that cinema. <laughs> it was amazing. Soho House, people. Soho yeah, House. Well it's all about well Soho House. Uh, so, um, some news. Give me some news. So what we got? Uh, like I said, not a great deal of news. Okay. Uh, we've said about uh, Bond coming back. They're still yeah. looking for a director. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the Cameron thing. We didn't finish up talking about the Cameron thing. The James you Cameron... Always finish your anecdotes. Go I'm on. sorry. Uh, that'll give me time to uh, do some news. It was about Terminator 2 3D. Um, that's a test case. He wants to do Aliens next. Oh, well, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, my second favourite film of all time is Aliens. Mm. So... I want to see True Lies in 3D. True Lies is now being remastered in 4K because it's never had a high-definition release. Is it not? It's not. Uh, True Lies and The Abyss are getting that treatment now. They are being polished up at Lightstorm right now. The Abyss as well. 
So yeah, well, it can, it can make good films. Can't I haven't it? seen The Abyss since I was a child. It's great, but <laughs> and it's it's got Houston in it. It has. It's, Ed it's, it's got uh, it's got Ed Houston. Ed Houston. Ed Houston. I'm pretty sure that people think that's his name. Have you seen the trailer for Mother? Yeah, the uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Darren Aronofsky thing. Yeah, I, I watched that trailer with my mother. <laughs> her resp- her nice. response was, "That looks weird, but I'm intrigued." Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it looks good, but yeah, Ed Harris is in that with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, fair enough. I uh, I watched a documentary the other day about the history of the cinematic history of Batman, oh. and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer pops up at one point, and. She's uh, great. Michelle Pfeiffer, sorry, 1991 Michelle Pfeiffer pops up at one point. She's perfect. And you, you listen to her speaking about her role as Catwoman. And I'll be honest, the thought, wow, that really is just the perfect lady right there. She's um, she, she's the, the pinnacle of lady. Yep, yep, okay, perfect Catwoman. <laughs> she is prime lady. She is prime lady. She is lady prime. <laughs> That's right. Optimus Prime's wife. Optimus Prime's wife. She is prime lady. But, uh, yeah. So, I recommend that documentary, by the way. It's on YouTube. It's called Shadows of the Bat, the cinematic history of the Dark Knight, I believe. Should we talk about uh, the Jordan Vogt Roberts? How do you say his name? Say his name. I think think so. I've been calling him Voight. I'm not saying Voight because it's not spelt the way... It's not, is it? It's it's not John Voight. It's not, (laughs) is it? No. It's Jordan Voight. Yeah, there's, 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 no, there's no H's in there, there's no I's. I'm not calling it. Okay, no, no, fact, we're gonna, what are we going to go with? Vogut? I'm, I'm saying Vogut until we Vogut sounds like I want to say yogurt with a V. It's a violet yogurt. Violent yogurt, yeah. A violent, violent yogurt is yogurt. a Vogut. It's a Vogut. Vogut. So yeah. It's a yogurt you throw at someone and disgust <laughs> after watching The Untamed. See, now I'm thinking of that moment where someone threw the shoe at George W. Bush when someone's throwing a yogurt. <laughs> yeah. but, Hey, he was a smart man. He believed that man and goldfish could coexist peacefully. Well, I mean, I, I personally you know, yearn for a day of peaceful coexistence with goldfish. Yeah. But uh, I think he, he's really enjoying, well, not enjoying who's currently in office, but enjoying not being the, the stupidest president. Yes, I think he's very much... In, I mean, literally, that is a dude who just pops up and says, bet, bet you missed me now. Yeah, and also, he's friends with Bill Clinton. They do, like, did speeches. They? To, yeah, they did, like, a speech oh, together recently. We love to go golfing with those two. There's, there's an amazing photo taken a couple of months ago. We went to... It was the George... I forget which Bush library it was. One of the President Bush's pres- like libraries, and there's two statues of the President's Bush. Yeah, and Bill Clinton. Sorry, sorry, like, sorry, just just say it again because you just said there's two statues of the President's Bush. Yeah, and well, that's that's how you would pronounce it. That's amazing. It's to like me. if there's two um, Attorney Generals, it would hmm. be Attorneys General. Okay, I've just I've never really thought about the President's Bush. President's Bush. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a very neat statue. Well, uh, this, this is even better because there's a photo of... Uh, there's Bill, photos of the President's Bush. There's a photo of Bill Clinton in between the President's Bush. Bush. Yeah. That's amazing. I really, I really want to see and Clinton. And he's got like, a really like, cheeky face. Yeah, well. I want to see Clinton amidst the President's Bush. I do. Uh, but. That's, that's a film. <laughs> this is like when Andy Meakin talked about Philip K. Dick on the radio and kept talking about how much yeah. he loved good dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that man. It would be good to see mm. Clinton being in between the President's Bush because it was usually someone else in between the President's Bush. Well, Clinton, point, Clinton did serve between the President's Bush. He did. He, did. Yeah. he was the incumbent president. And then, between some, the and then someone Bush. else was between his President's Bush. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I was more between his cigars, but uh, that was more priming his cigar between the President's Bush. Yeah. So This is a film show, everyone. This is a film show, and we've just wasted about 90 seconds on sheer <laughs> innuendo. In her endo. hi Anyway, Jordan Voggett Roberts. <laughs> so Jordan Violent Yogurt Roberts. Yeah. Right. Um, so there is a YouTube channel that I'm sure everyone is aware of called uh, CinemaSins. Okay. I think where- only about 11,000 people are aware of it, but yeah. Oh, really? It's quite a lower number than you think, I It's think. not, yeah, maybe not as big as, like, Cinefix or Screen Junkies. Like, screen, screen Junkies and Honest Trailers is the behemoth, isn't it? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I've got to look it up because I'm curious I now. think it's it's quite popular because what they do, they'll, they'll focus on one film mm-hmm. and then literally just look at all the... Everything scene, wrong with it. ...scenes or just, yeah, everything wrong about it. They have got another channel where it's it's looking at, like, all the awesome things. I forget what that's called. Oh, tell what. not CinemaSense? I am very wrong. It is 7.1 like million. million. Oh, they're doing okay. They're doing all right. They're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're doing... Who is it? 11,000? Oh, uh... Oh, I looked it up. It was... I think it might be geek.com. Geek.com has 11,000 subscribers. I was like, okay, that's so weird to me, because I watch geek.com all the time. I'm a big fan of MovieBob. Uh, right. MovieBob's on geek.com on YouTube, so, yeah. Yeah, no, Simpsons are pretty big. Pretty big. And then all the films are on there, they... They do this thing where they'll look at everything wrong at the film. Yeah. But they're not doing it to be serious. No, no, it's, it's a parody. It's parody, it's, isn't it's it? A, it's like the honest trailers, guys. Basically, it's all, parodic all the, nitpicking. It is. Yeah. But you would ask them, they'll say, we love, we actually do like... Yeah, 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 of course. Obviously, we don't love all the films, but like, <laughs> no. they they love films. They're really passionate about it. They're not doing it to yeah, of piss anyone off. However, Jordan Vogt Robert is pissed off. They did one about uh, Kong Skull Island. They did. And um, he yeah. is ripped nearly all of the points about it apart on Twitter. Screen grabs and everything. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, because I mean if you want me if you want me to throw in my two cents on this guy, um first of all, I, I really like Kong Skull Island. I do. I'm a, I'm a fan of the film. I think it's a huge step up from Godzilla. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with those films next. I think it was a he did a great for, for him. Yeah, yeah. Him I think he did a great job. Did you ever do? Uh, was it Kings of Summer? Which I, I, was, I, yeah. I do like. But yeah, I yeah. liked Kings of Summer as well. Um, I he's got a kid from uh, um, everything, everything. Yeah, and more importantly, it's got Nick Offerman, yo, and Megan Lally, and Megan Mullally. Yeah. So Offer Lally, I'm a big fan of. Exactly. So any guy that brings those two together, yeah, you've you've done good work. You have done fine work. And then this film. I enjoyed it as well. I did, yeah. yeah. But I feel like maybe he just lacks a sense of humour. Maybe that's it. And or, or maybe he was having a bad day and it just caught him a little off guard and he was a bit reactive. That's fair enough. But, the, the, you know, there are better hills to die on. They really are. And, I mean, I, I, it has been... Honest Trailers has been lumped in with this as well, to an extent. And I think to pick on Honest Trailers is particularly unfair, because Honest Trailers is very vocal about the love of the film. Yeah, and they actually talked to some of the directors. Like, they've done things about some of the Marvel things, well, and then spoke to the Russos. They spoke to uh, Zach Stentz, who wrote the first Thor movie. Yeah. So... Well, I... Do you remember, do you remember about six weeks I, or so? I, I think that James Gunn retweeted... The one for Guardians 2. Right, here's the thing. Right, so about six weeks ago, you remember I met uh, Andy Signore in London? Uh, the only the honest Trailers yeah, guy, the yeah, Screen yeah, Junkies yeah. guy. I met him in London, and he was talking to us about... And, Andy, Andy Signor. Andy Signor, yeah. yeah. Um, he was talking to us about Honest Trailers, and he said, actually, the, the weirdest thing about it is we get more people involved in the making of the film who give us feedback than actually just are watching the honest trailer. Yeah. So the general public don't, the general viewing public don't tend to get in touch with them 
anywhere near as much as the actual people who worked on the yeah, film. Probably people like on YouTube, of course. But well, because the studios now are quite in on in on the gag. So, for instance, he was telling us it was a couple of weeks before the the, the Despicable Me Minions trailer. They apparently have to like Universal have to approve that. Like, they can't just do an honest trailer. It has to be approved by the studio. And even then, they want a vague idea of what the content will be. So the studio's in on the gag. So CinemaSins are not going to get away necessarily with the same shtick. CinemaSins have to have a certain level of approval. And obviously, it's it's gone down that road. And obviously, in this case, mm. I think he's just caught possibly a humorous man on a bad day. So... Yeah, leave it there. Well, you're saying that Jordan Berger Roberts is, is a humorous man. I'm saying he might be a humorous man. We don't know. I would believe, having seen Kong Skull Island, that he has Obviously got something of... Right. Yeah, I think he has got something of a, a wry wit about him. Yeah. Must have to have made that movie. But... I just... I think doing this kind of lengthy attack will hurt him more than it will hurt them. And it's, it's a bit of a shame, because... Just take it as some sort of form of appreciation, really. Exactly. I would have taken it that way. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's like a badge of honour, you know, to have a cinema God, video a, or an honest trailer. Do a podcast or... and have us on there, because we're probably pretty bad. Oh, least. yeah, funnily enough, we yeah. were talking earlier about... Uh, I was talking to you about uh, shows I can't believe don't exist. Mm. Right. How has no one set up... And I said it's possible Screen Junkies have this as a show. How has no one set up a programme entirely designed around the idea of creating fictional sequels to movies that never got them? I feel like somebody has done this. It seems like too obvious an idea, doesn't it? But I would love to do that. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love to have an entire podcast dedicated to, here's our pitch for Surf Ninjas 2 Retaliation? Which mm. is absolutely, by the way, a movie that should exist. Because it's kind of like that bit in uh, This Is The End, where they film <laughs> Pineapple Express 2. 2. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so good. Did you know that This Is The End is being added to Mubi this month? <laughs> okay. You know Mubi yeah. are a curated service who add a film every single day, and it's one that they think has cultural significance. Mm. They are adding This Is The End this month. They're also well, adding Moana. There's a lot of... Well, that's a great film. Mm. There are a lot of famous people. In <laughs> this Is The End. They all fall into a big hole. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, This Is The End. Yeah, I watched it recently, actually. It's just, yeah, it's good. Jonah Hill playing Woody Harrelson is amazing. It's the people's <laughs> read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just his character, the fact that he's like, oh, supposed God. to hate Jay Barishaw the whole time yeah. is good. Dear God, it was like, please kill Jay. Sick, sick reference. Your <laughs> yeah. references are so Your, tight. Just great, yeah, your references are tight, yeah. yeah. Oh. Everyone says it. For me, <laughs> so, it's uh, James Franco saying, like, you don't like art? You know, it's like, yeah. you ever go to Subway? <laughs> yeah. You just have Sandwich art. artists. <laughs> yeah. You just out, bro. Um, and his, his whole interaction with uh, Danny McBride. Oh, well. God, yeah. I think that's the most I've liked Danny McBride as well. Oh, ever, yeah. I mean, totally. I mean, uh, I've never really gotten on with Eastbound and Down, I must admit. No, but I do really like Vice Principals. Yes, it's I've never watched people. past the pilot. So. It's good. Eh. Okay, let's do our final review of the week then. Mm. And then we'll, we'll just mop up all the news. Uh, so, Napping Princess, which is an anime movie, which I think is based on, on uh, alternative words. I think it's based on graphic novels or something. It's very difficult to find a coherent answer to anything on this film. Mm. Right. So, this is uh, the story of Kokone. She is a schoolgirl. She has exams to look forward to. She also seems to have what seems to be narcolepsy. It mm. is it's listed as a work of manga, even though it's an anime. So, I'm confused as to what the terminology was here i always thought manga was a comic book or written form anime was animation um so this is uh, the story of uh, kakone her father is arrested shortly before the tokyo olympics in 2020 i think 2020 is that right 
Yes. I, I'm just going to imagine. Right. And uh, she then finds out that her dreams seem to have a relevance on the real world, and that this seems to involve a mystery surrounding what the secrets that her family are keeping that have resulted in her father being arrested. She also then discovers a magic amp- iPad, or literally a magic tablet, because one of the alternative titles for this movie is uh, something like RCN and the Magic Tablet. And she goes through life with the... She goes on this journey, on this mission to sort of save her father with the magic tablet, which imbues her with magical powers. Anything she writes down in this tablet, on this iPad, happens. And, yeah. Okay. Tonally, it's a disaster. Uh, Conceptually, it is muddled, to say the very least. Um, Visually, it's beautiful. I mean, really, it's a good-looking film. Right. But it's... It's, imagine the best-looking person you've ever met in your life if they were a drooling idiot. And you'd basically have the human incarnation of Napping Princess, a movie that, incidentally, you very easily could nap through and would make about as much sense as if you'd stayed awake. It's, it's, it's one of those, you just like, I can't figure out who the audience for this is. <laughs> I mean, even the anime fans have got to, exi- got to admit on this one, this doesn't make any damn sense. It's just don't work. I mean, other than the fact that, you know, your your main character is, you know, the, the, the typically gloriously animated Japanese schoolgirl, you just sort of, I can't see where the appeal in this actually is, other than the anime fans who just get off on watching animated schoolgirls, which apparently is a fandom. But, uh, no. I came away from this thinking, okay, magic iPads, teddy bear robots... Glorious otherworldly adventures, dimension hopping. This should appeal to me. It really did not. And from one minute to the next, she's all just looking at it thinking, eh? And yeah, I never got past that stage with it. Hmm. And I kind of felt like it was my fault, like it was on me, but until I talked <laughs> to other people and, thought, and found out that no, no, actually, it is, as, it is as disheveled and incoherent as I think it is. And mostly I just sort of kicked back in my chair and thought, mere days to the Defenders. <laughs> yes, which is the 18th. Uh, is it Friday? Friday it's out. Yes, it is. Okay. Wow, that's getting watched in a day. Oh, yeah, well, for me, I'm just doing four. I'm going to do four on Saturday, four on Sunday. Because yeah. I've got two nights out, Saturday and Sunday, and I'm out. So, <sighs> By the way, um, License to Drive, are you aware of this film? Yes, and it's getting a remake. It's so, getting- the original... Was... gender-flipped remake. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Because... Yeah. Cool. Okay. That works. I'm curious about how they make these the, the gender-flipped decisions on these things. So, the original... Like... It was uh, the two Corys, wasn't it? It was the Corys. The Corys. Haim and Feld... Uh, the Corys, Haim and Feldman. Exactly, yes. And uh, a certain Miss <laughs> Heather Graham. Because like, that's it, we forget that, yeah. don't we? Yeah. Oh, man. A young Miss Heather Graham there, yeah. playing a teen love interest. Dr. Molly Clock. From Dr. Trips. Molly Clock. I think you mean Roll Girl, but you know. Oh, yeah. Felicity Shagwell. <laughs> yes. Which, yeah. Uh, I still love her for that movie. I really do. But, uh, oh, also, no, no, she started one of my favourite awfully erotic thrillers. Um, is that the one with Joseph Fiennes? The Joseph Fiennes one, Killing Me Softly. Yeah, that is bad. <laughs> it's terrible. I think we've got it? as many sex scenes as The Untamed. It's terrible. And yet, tentacles. <laughs> I really want to watch it again. But, uh, like all bad erotic thrillers. Oh, God, yeah, of course. Um, incidentally, by the way, I apologise. I never got round to watching uh, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. It's been a week. It's been a week. What have you been doing? Look, I had the chance to watch that or The Untamed. Just imagine how I'm feeling about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So tonight, watch it. <laughs> yeah, tonight I'm watching Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Um, but yeah, I thought I'd watch something relevant to the show. Also, I didn't get around to watching uh, The Ghost in the Darkness again, which I was really looking forward to. Great film. I, great I think film. I'm going to watch that soon. Yeah, it's such a good one. Uh, but yeah, so License to Drive is getting gender-flipped remake. Uh, it was the two Corys, and Heather Graham was a love interest. Am I right in thinking the plot of License to Drive was a boy fails his driving test, and in response just boosts his granddad's beloved car and goes on a joyride for a night. Right about, yeah. Okay, fair enough. So now we're going to be, you know, we're not going to be Corys. Are we going to go with... Have we got... Have we got a female equivalent of two Corys now? I don't want to say Jennifer Lawrence and Amy Schumer, but uh, they, are, they are working on a vehicle together. It could be this. So... No, okay. But um, are you looking for someone that's like teenage age? Then I guess. Well, they'd have to be, wouldn't they? Yeah. So was it Bella Thorne and, uh, have got, have and got Chloe Moretz? Yeah. I think it could be that. Yeah, I work. It could be that. I don't. I don't know who the young hip actresses are now. Uh, May Whitman and Michael Momo. Oh no, no! First of all, that's never happening. That's never <laughs> happening because May, May Whitman's going to claw her face off one of these days. How dare she take oh, a like, role? A face-off remake? With oh my god! And May Whitman. Like, I'd pay good money. I'd fund take that. Take her face off. <laughs> Eyes, nose, skin. It's going off. Oh, that film. By the way, thank you so much for introducing me to How Did This Get Made. Not a problem. Because that face-off episode is amazing. It's great. It's um, great. I'm what else. I watched Face Off, Surf Ninjas. Had that yeah, one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm on the Lawnmower Man at the moment. I think. Oh, there's another one. Uh, watch. Uh, well, let's do uh, High, High, Highlander Two: The Quickening. Ooh, that's gonna be. That's a great. That's one. a good one. That's a really good one. The weird thing is, John Mosby, who is one of the world's authorities on the Highlander series, now lives in the US. Huh. They should have got him on that. Yeah. He's actually running the There Can Be Only One Highlander Con this really? year. Yeah. He's actually, he genuinely is. He is a convention right. attending Highlander expert now. Nice. He goes and presents panels. Huh. And the weird part is, I've known Mosby for years. And he's just doing this thing. And I'm like, you've been doing this the whole time. Okay. <laughs> That's a really random thing. The whole thing time. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> uh, more news then. What have we got? Uh, oh, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy and uh, Robert Eggers did The Witch. Oh, yeah. They're doing uh, Nosferatu. Together. Remaking Nosferatu, presumably with Anya Taylor-Joy as Nosferatu, which, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, that's not going to happen. <coughs> Have you heard that uh, Lucy K has shot a film in secret? Has he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. What on earth is that? It's called I Love You, Daddy. Okay. The cast, Chloe Grissmer, that's also not uh, a massive uh, Okay. Malcatraz. John Markovich. No way. Rose Byrne, Charlie Day, Helen Hunt, uh, Pamela Alden, and CK himself. Shut up and take my money. I'm all over that. Um, Hellboy um, has got a, a female lead. Yeah. Um, I forget her name, if you want the honest truth. She was the main actress in American oh, is it, Honey. Is it Sasha Lane? There you go. Yes, Thank you. Knowledge. Best thing about American Honey, other yeah. than Riley Keough, who's just the best thing in anything. Yeah, Riley Keough is going to be in... Logan Lucky, I believe. She is. Ah, ah hang on. Right, new story. This is my favourite story of the week. Right, this, this for me, this is bigger than Bond. Bigger right. than Bond. It involves a film from the 90s that is regarded as one of the biggest train wrecks of that decade. I refer, of course, 
to the island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, I love that film. There is an episode of How Did This Get Made about that as well. There is, yes. Right, of course. The Island of Dr. Moreau is a film based on, of course, the book by H.G. Wells that's been tried to make it a few times. I think the most famous version is the Michael York one from the 70s. In the 90s, Australian filmmaker Richard uh, Richard Stanley was given his big break. He was going to make this film with Marlon Brando and with uh, Val Kilmer. Valley's Kilmers. Valley's Kilmers. And Valley's Kilmers was the star power that was getting it made. Hmm. And, of course, there was loads of behind-the-scenes trouble, and Richard Stanley was fired three days into filming and replaced by John Frankenheimer, who quickly lost control of this film, and it went deranged. And it invo- it's a film so deranged in, in, its, in its production that Marlon Brando had to be fed his lines through an earpiece. Ear mm. And Val Kilmer wouldn't leave his trailer unless Brando was on set. And yeah. Apparently- his, his character wasn't supposed to be killed, but then gets killed off because he's yeah. just a nightmare. And uh, Von Kilmer plays like a big goat man. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, Sailor of the law. Apparently there was a point at which Val Kilmer just uh, threw a strop, sat on the floor and refused to get up. Yep. Apparently that's a thing that happened. And um, no one uh, could find Richard Stanley afterwards. He, he vanished. He was found living in the nearby rainforest, existing on coconuts and marijuana. Amazing. Um, he then found out that uh, about all these production troubles and decided for his own amusement to go and have himself inducted as an extra and wander around the set of the film that he'd been sacked from, and he wound up in what can only be described as a moment of brilliant catharsis, being tasked as one of the characters who has to pour petrol all over the set and burn it down. (laughs) Because obviously it happens in the film. So he got fired for a movie that he then got to actually burn to the ground. That's amazing. Right. He's since sort of vanished and disappeared. Uh, he retired to France, where he's been making documentaries ever since. However, he's not just been making documentaries. He started crafting a series of French graphic novels based on his version of The Island of Dr. Moreau. A version the studio system then decided they wanted to buy the rights to and make into a movie. Have a guess who they've hired to direct it. Val Kilmer's. Certainly not, actually. Richard Stanley. So 23 years later, Richard Stanley is going to direct the movie he was fired from that sent him mad in the rainforest, and he then burnt to the ground. Now, that's a movie I have to see, because how often does that happen? <laughs> i, I got to get that. that. That's a brilliant story, isn't it? Yeah. How is that not a movie in its own right? Yeah, you can make a film about that guy's experience. Yeah, it's like that one with the Terry What's Gilliam good? and the... Is it Man Who Killed... No... What's the one? Lost in La Mancha. You can make like a Lost in La Mancha kind of thing. That's, that is happening. It's, it's, it's in the can, isn't it? it it's, is it done? Is it filmed now? It's done. It's done. It's filmed. filmed. It's, is, in a, is it Adam Driver and John from Price? It, I think so. Is it? I think so. There's so many people. Well, oh, apparently Bad Boys 3 has been dropped, by the way. Like, Shame. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Shame. Shame, Bell. <laughs> yeah, that is a shame. Because yeah. they had Moss's, Moss's Chops. What's his chops? The guy who did the grey. Forgotten. Oh, Joe Carnahan. Yeah, Joe Carnahan had done the script, and he would have been a really good director. He would have. Have you heard about Double Leo? Yeah, Leo's going to be Leo. Leo's going to be Leo, because they didn't put any thought into that, did they? They're just like, Mm. who do we get to play Leo? There we go, Leo. (laughs) Of course. course, Yeah, so Leonardo da Vinci, Mm. played by Leonardo DiCaprio, 
in a movie based on the upcoming bio uh, biography by Walter Isaacson. Oh, not by Leo Isaacson. Not by not by Leo Isaacson. No, uh, <laughs> we need another Leo. That's what we need. Uh, but Walter Isaacson, of course, his book called Dane DeHaan, but he's a big disappointment. Exactly. Uh, but no, uh, Walter Isaacson's book was the basis for Steve Jobs and the hmm. current Jeffrey Rush TV series Genius. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is Albert about Einstein. Albert Einstein. Yeah. yeah. So Jeffrey Rush is really racking up the biopics recently. Shiny McShine. He hasn't even changed his hair for the final portrait, by the way. That's no point. It's the same one that you yeah. see on the poster. You need to look mad. I'll keep my Einstein hair. <laughs> did you know that? I've, I've told you this before, but Albert Books' real name is Albert Einstein. You did tell me that. Yeah. And it's so brilliant. It's crazy. I, I love it. I, I absolutely love that one. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we... Did we talk about Tommy Wiseau last week? We did. And remember, I had the flu last week, so I have no memory of what we discussed. You were a bit delirious by the end. I was a bit delirious. Yeah, he, um, he's given 99... Percent approval of the disaster because of the lighting. I because remember you saying lighting. it now. I remember you saying. He said the lighting is is off. I have a really hazy recollection of last week's show. This yeah, happened I when you I were there. Yeah, when I have the flu, I'm basically it, it's like yeah. a, a waking coma for me. <laughs> I, I feel like that fever dream that that James Cameron had that gave him the idea for Terminator. It's right. like that all the time, except I can present radio shows with you. Mm. Yeah, or do you? Am I really here? <laughs> Don't, because for a minute there, you went all, like, what's his name from Popstar? Like, maybe I did do it. Uh, maybe, maybe I did. I did. <laughs> it's, it's the look on your face. <laughs> Hunter the Hungry or something like that? Something like that. Or the other rapper. The other rapper, yeah. The one who, the one who <laughs> takes Connor for real's attention away from him. But, uh, yeah, so, well, that's me for this week. I'm done as well. I uh, I mean, hopefully we'll have some more news next week if we've all survived nuclear war or racist attacks. Yeah, I mean, if, if North Korea hasn't would. killed us or, uh, or uh, you know, the, the, the hate groups... Sorry, sorry, the many sides uh, haven't killed many us. Sides. Many sides. Many sides. If the many sides haven't killed us all by next week, then, uh, <laughs> the yeah. many, many-faced God. Yes, the many-faced God. <laughs> where, do, where do we even begin? But uh, <laughs> let's not, though, because we have an alarming tendency to do that. In which case, shall we just have a story about Nicolas Cage and his cat? I think we better had. And okay. his cat. And his cat. Nicolas Cage and his cat. I, 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 I love, oh, I think way, I know about this. I love, by the way, his cat's name is Lewis. Yes, which made me this. wonder where you, how you named your cat. Because <laughs> you have Louis. This is Lewis. Yeah. I'm wondering. No, mine, mine's after Lucy C.K. Ah, okay. Well, in which case... Lewis Cat. Do you want to cue it? Here it is, your moments of cat-inspired Nicolas Cage. Did you, ever, did you ever drink beer in high school? Uh, no, not beer, but I do remember having a bag of mushrooms in my refrigerator. <laughs> and I remember you, you mentioned your dog. Yeah. I had a cat, and uh, my cat used to sneak into the refrigerator and he would steal the mushrooms. <laughs> and I, I said, no, and his name was Lewis. I said, Lewis, you can't do that. You can't yeah. do that. It's not right. <laughs> he ate them voraciously. He just loved them. It was like catnip to him. Uh, so, I, so I thought, well, what the heck? I better do it with him. And I remember lying in my bed for hours. <laughs> and Lewis was on the desk across from the bed for hours, uh-huh. staring at each other. <laughs> Not moving. Occasionally, he would go, but he would stare at me, Uh and I had no doubt that he was my brother. (laughs) 